You are listening to a Banzai Retro Club podcast. Language and topics may not always be appropriate for younger listeners. Press 1 for a groovy topic from the 1970s. Press 2 for an awesome topic from the 1980s. Or press 3 for a slamming topic from the 1990s. Please choose now. Too late. We have made your selection for you. Let's start the show. This is a something podcast. Bonsai Retro Club, and I am Dave. Online, I've got Suzanne. Hey there. And what we're doing on this episode is we are continuing our trilogy of the uh, end of the year uh, episodes. Uh, as we talked about on our previous episode, 1971, uh, this is where we talk about you know the uh, the year that ends with the digit that we had just finished so we finished 2021 we're now talking about the years that end with a one for the decades that we cover which is the 70s 80s and 90s which i'm sure you already know so we talked about 71 we're doing 81 today next week we're hitting 1991 um so that's where we're at like we've done before, we talk about movies, we're talking about TV shows, albums, and then some news events. So that's what we're going to try to cram into this episode for you. There was a lot that happened in 1981. I was actually, unlike 71, where I was just born in 1970, I didn't have a lot of personal stories to go along with those movies or TV shows, uh, other than seeing you know things on reruns or streaming them after the fact. Uh, but this, I would have been the ripe old age of 10 years old most of the most of that year uh, for 1981. So I have some, you know, I have some experience with, you know, the songs and the, the movies, the TV shows. I remember that stuff. So, which is great. Um, Suzanne, uh, not to date yourself again, but how old would you have been around? I was a, I was a junior in high school. Junior in high school. This okay. Is, yeah, this is a really good year. Okay. <laughs> this is a really good year for me. Yeah. Okay. Definitely one of those. Those. Okay, you spend middle school is like torturous, and then you get to high school and you're like the new kids, and you know that's a little rough too. 
And then, like, I kind of found, like, I, I really kind of came into my own in, in 1981 and decided, well, I'm not gonna even going to be here that much longer. Time to go for it. <laughs> okay. What kind of, um, like, in school, uh, you were a junior, so, I mean, were you, yeah. um, you know, I guess if we were to, like, pick an archetype, what, what would you have been? Or what were I you? Kinda, I kind of crossed boundaries. I I was kind of a geeky kid. Okay. I was in like the honors program, you know, and I, um, you know, I did a lot of writing and that kind of stuff, and I, I wrote for the newspaper, but I I also sang. So like that year, I got into um, you know one of the big school variety shows, which was like all the cool kids did the Mad Show, which is what we called it. Okay. And Suddenly, that was like a passport to, you know, being one of the the kids that everybody was like, okay, who's that singing? So, and, you know, I was for a long time kind of a shy kid, but you give me a microphone and let me sing. And I went, I went for it. I became a different person. So, (laughs) so I was still kind of the geeky girl, but I was branching out. So, okay. So kind nice. of your artsy fartsy nerdy kind of girl, right? But a lot of the other nerdy kids started to get cooler too. Is the thing. Sure. <laughs> so we were a little more of a force. Well, I mean, I think nerdiness really didn't like become like something that you can be like uber proud of until like maybe the late '80s. You know, when we started getting some of the movies uh, like Revenge of the Nerds. Um, you know, where, you know, it's kind of the, you know, hey, we're people too. You know, we just have, you know, our passions are different than, you know, all the, you know, the people that are into sports and, you know, all the, you know, the, the real popular clubs and all that stuff. You know, you know, we're, you know, we're just different, you know, and, you know, you have to, you know, acknowledge that we're people too, that kind of thing. So I think early 80s, though, that, that wasn't there yet. I think uh, it would take a little bit more time in the decade before that was kind of, you know, like you had some cool social status. It's not like, you know, not like the movies. It's not like, you know, I don't think anybody was getting, you know, thrown into a locker. Um, at least, you know, not in my school anyway. Um, but at the same time, you know. Yeah, well, at, at that point, I don't know. I had been, pa- I was past the point where maybe when I was in middle school, it was more like, the you know I was a target for the bullies because I was little you know right. I was just this little timid kid who looked like two years younger than everybody so that you know I had that period no question um, I was at least over that once I got to like eleventh grade but I I wouldn't say that I was like you know one of the really you know like I was not like Miss Prom Queen etc or anything but I you know I was still kind of introverted poet in a way sure but like i said i had this other side where i was the performer so people didn't really reconcile that and uh, i don't know it, it was a little weird where maybe people thought i was being snobby but i was really just awkward socially still in a little, a little bit of a way right <laughs> so i was really kind of straddling that line okay. but i i had fun with it let's say i had fun with the things that i did and I started doing more and more stuff. By the time I was a senior, I was like doing everything. Gotcha. So, gotcha. That was fun. <laughs> kind, of, kind of came out of your uh, your shell, if you will. 
Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, what the hell? Got to do it now. <laughs> sure. Now I'm going to do everything. Everything I should have done for the past four years that I was afraid to do, I'm going to do now. Yeah, I think I think my path was, um, you know, uh, you know, similar, you know, but rather than being creative, you know, I was, you know, getting into like technology things like, uh, you know, it, it I trying to remember what year it was, but when I got my Apple two E, um, you know, mm. and, uh, you know, started to really kind of get into the geekiness of, you know, computers, you know, um, it wasn't until high school when I was like helping out in the uh, the library all the time, uh, because I was, you know, uh, taking care of their Macintosh computers and doing those kind of things because you know for some reason it just kind of gelled with me and I understood it. Um, cool. So you were just like the original computer guy. <laughs> I don't even remember. Like Matt, were Max around? I mean, I know there was. I took a computer class in. In high school, but there were no like monitors or anything. It was just like, <laughs> yeah. just like this thing with a dot matrix printer attached to it, and you like hit some keys. There was no like language or anything. It was really primitive. Yeah, it was. It, it would have been this. This was not 1981, but like, um, I want to say probably around 87, maybe. Um, okay. You know, I yeah. Then you started seeing a lot more yeah. actual computers that people could people could use on their own. Right. Because honestly, yeah, I didn't see something like that until college in a regular person's right. possession. Right. And so, it was the really wealthy kid who had one, you know, Carnegie Mellon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In 1984 or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yep. yep. But yeah, I, I mean, they were around, you know, and, um, you know, when I was, you know, in computer class, we were learning on the, uh, the, the trash 80 or TS 80 as it's called. Um, and so, you know, we learned on that, but then library had some Macs. Um, so, you know, I'd go in there and then play like the Oregon trail, you know, where in the world is coming to San Diego, that kind of thing. So, so yeah, good times, (laughs) but yeah, we're, uh, we're moving forward too fast now. We got to go back to 1981. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, But this was kind of, that was the kind of the genesis of that though. They just started to bring those kind of things into schools. Right. So, um, you know, for the sake of the listener, um, what I do or what, what I did, you know, prior to the previous episode talking about 1971, but we also did it for 1981 is, you know, I send Suzanne links, you know, that has like the popular movies, the best albums, you know, you know, an opinion piece, you know, on Paste Magazine uh, and then like top rated TV shows. Um, and then the one thing that it was funny between the two of us, I sent her this best movies of 1981 list from IMDb. And as soon as I saw like the number one movie, I was like, okay, this is something's <laughs> weird. And then I, I protest, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and, and I send it to Suzanne and she's like, yeah, I don't get that. Um, so for some reason it's listing DOS boot. Uh, which is the, uh, the World War II German U-boat movie. Um, it was actually on the Essential Movie, the 1980s Essential Movie list, and I'm trying to remember if it was um, uh, Rose or Scott, but I, I want to say it was Rose. That you know she, you know she had 
you know, some stories to talk about this movie. I don't remember the stories. I'd have to go back and re-listen to the episode. Um, well, but I never made maybe time it was for just it. a little too young. We were just a little too young for this subject matter to be really exciting for us, you know? Right, right. Because Rose was in the military probably around that time. Yeah, that's a good point. This is yeah, that's a very good point. I didn't look at it that way. Um, I was like, I, okay, you watched that? All right, good for you. <laughs> no, well, see, I guess this was not our demographic. Right. And I don't know the tagline here says. Boredom, filth, and sheer terror. <laughs> you know, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you go to the movies to have fun. You go with a date, you know. You don't, you don't go to watch, uh, you know, when you're in high school. You don't go to the movies to watch Das Boots. <laughs> yeah, and so what I did was there on the IMDb page, there's a, uh, a drop down where you can sort by. Um, so mm -hmm. the default was that has Das Boot, but if you sort by popularity, it actually puts Indiana yes, Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark as number one. Come on. Indiana and, Jones. Yeah. Come so. on. How can you not say Indiana Jones? Right. Well, it's probably one of the best movies of the decade, you know? And it, it means quite a lot to me, so. You, did, did you hear the uh, the Big Bang Theory uh, take on Ra uh, Raiders? Um, I'm trying to remember. Was it that? Indiana Jones actually had no impact whatsoever throughout that movie on what happened to that arc. Correct. That it would have happened without him. Correct. Which, the Germans would have found it. They would have opened it up. They would have died. They would have Indiana blown Jones heads off. had no <laughs> impact whatsoever into what actually happened in that movie. I guess, but what's to me, like, what's the difference? The story is the journey and the adventure. Right. And the fact that it, this was his quest. Not necessarily whether he was able to change it and would have blown everybody up anyway, you know. <laughs> right. And that wasn't his fault that you know that that would have happened to no matter who opened it. But, right. Right. And if anybody hasn't seen Indiana Jones, sorry about the spoiler, but <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen it long ago. Is the thing. I you know at this point I'm I'm not going to put like you know any of the decades that we cover. There's been plenty of time for people to see it. I, yeah, and, yeah. So, I'm so not, you know, don't yeah. listen to the podcast. You don't want us to reveal right. the ending. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, everybody. You know, uh, Darth Vader is actually Luke's father. Just get over it. <laughs> Just get over it. Um, so yeah, at the end of Indiana Jones: Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, there's a uh, uh, near the end. The the Germans open up the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, that. Uh, Indiana Jones has been trying to take, you know, back from them, you know, for the whole movie. Uh, and everybody's face melts. <laughs> and their face faces actually literally melt off. So, oh, God. Because yeah, there's like some sort of ghosts that are like flying around. So, you know. It's a big Spielberg moment. Yeah. <laughs> and then Indiana Jones knew that, you know, um, you know, him and Karen Allen were tied to a post and they just knew that he knew that they, as long as they didn't look at you know, what had come out of the Ark. Yeah, they then wouldn't be attacked would be by safe. the curse, I guess. Yeah. Right. But see, I don't know. You really have to be so invested in that character that you feel <laughs> to worry about that conspiracy, you know? Right, right. It's like, does it matter? It's a great movie. Who cares? <laughs> well, no, you know, I, I guess not worried about it. It was just like, damn, they're right. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess it's true. But, I mean, you don't have to take it as, as personally as Sheldon did. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're right. You know, it's 
you know, I'm I'm moving on. I'm good with it. You know, I I, yeah. I realized that the movie was the journey. You know, like you said. Um, so I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. And he won because his head didn't get melted. So <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know, for them to just box it up and put it in like the uh, the archives. You know, for I don't know what. Yeah, I have to say that might have been a little bit of a letdown. The fact that. After all that, it just ends up in a box in a warehouse with a million other boxes, and you know, there's no, no joy and no like historic value that like you know everybody in the country is going to get this, you know, in the world is going to get to see it. <laughs> um, but I guess you know you don't want to have to blow you know, melt the faces off of everybody who goes to the Smithsonian, so right, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, I mean they could you put it behind the glass, you know, put it in a glass case. Don't let anybody get near it. I guess yeah, don't open it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, people would sneak in there and open it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think there's just it's way too, too much power there. Right. So, right. <laughs> um, I'm going to jump around the list um, because, you know, and, and, and bring up kind of like a movie or two that, you know, I, you know, that I have memories of. You know, feel free mm. to do the same thing. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and read through, like, all of them. Okay. Um, but American Werewolf in London. Yeah. I gotta say, you know, the, uh, his, uh, um, I forgot his, uh, the, the character, but the, uh, the one that got killed, his buddy that got killed, and he's like a corpse. Yeah. Talking it's to Jack. him. Jack. Right. It's it just like so many great one-liners, you know, that, you know, he was able to just get away with as a decaying corpse, you know, in his like, you know, his mind's eye there. Um, and probably the best or the, the the best transformation scene that I've ever seen, um, you know, when he was switching over to a werewolf. Yeah, it was it was notable. Uh, to the point where Michael Jackson saw it and stole that director for Thriller. And yeah, did it John Landis, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to say, as far as, like, memorability, uh, um, as far as what made an impression on me on this list, that would be my next one, An, an American Werewolf in London. Uh, it was a hell of a fun movie. It was great effects. It was, it was uh, uh, again, like, when Ghostbusters came out, it was... Uh, it was a really funny movie, but yet it still had horror effects that actually were convincing, engaging, and not corny. Right. Um, and so it was kind of changing the genre where you could have those kind of things combined in one film. And this film did that very well also. They did. It was it was a funny film, and it, you were really engaged, but yet it was scary and and it's true, like the, the makeup and the changeover was just painful to watch yes. this poor guy go through. And then, you know, all the corpse are really they, they were really gruesome. But yet, you know, following him around and making jokes and tr suggesting ways for him to kill himself. And that <laughs> it was good. Yeah. It was a great movie. Yeah. Agreed. It was a great movie. Um, Escape from New York. I actually did not have any like 80s memories with Escape from New York. It wouldn't be until I was much older that I I actually watched uh, Escape from New York. I guess I've never been a drop everything and see John Carpenter movie kind of guy. Um, mm -hmm. So I, it, 
for some reason, you know, at that time, it never really spoke to me where I'm like, oh, I really got to see this. Um, and, you know, because I just knew it was such an a impactful 1980s movie, I'm like, I, I've, I've got to watch it, you know. And it, it was probably just a few years ago that I watched it for the first time. And oh, yeah. it was almost one of those things where I hate to say it, but I think in my head, the hype of it. It made it not as good. <laughs> oh, well. Sometimes you have to be in the moment of that year, you know? Yeah. I don't think – I've never seen this, but I've heard good things about it. I heard that, you know, there's certain people who really dig this movie and, you know, think it think it had a lot to say to them. Yeah. And, I don't know. I uh, think it's more a guy thing. Yeah, and I think Kurt Russell is a badass. I mean, he – I mean, Snake Plissken, uh, which is the guy <laughs> he plays, uh, is completely just a wonderful badass. You know, just, you know, a great, you know – you know, action star, you know, in his own rights. Um, so, he, yeah, it wasn't, he wasn't bad in it at all. It was just, I don't know. It was just, maybe there was parts of it that I was just kind of like, oh, well, I don't know. Um, and, yeah, it's just not as memorable for me as most people would, you know, I'm probably losing listeners right now. Um <laughs> But, you know, Sorry. yeah, but, you know, I don't know, it's just this guy's opinion, you know, and I don't know what it was, you know, and, and, you know, like even like the thing, you know, it was one, you know, that movie, you know, was like so hyped up by Rose and Scott. And then when I finally got around to watching it, um, it was kind of like, yeah, you guys really pushed me for this. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, maybe sometimes you build up the expectations too high. Right. Right, and I think I think yeah, that's I what's happening with these thing, movies. But I didn't see it for years either. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I don't know. I other than those two, I haven't surprisingly did not see an awful lot on this list. Okay. And I'm not. I'm wondering. I'm not really sure why. Huh. I don't know. Maybe I was too busy with school stuff. You know, I like I said, by the time I got to 81 and 82, I was involved in 10 million things. Okay. Did you get a chance to see Time Bandits at any time? I, I did not see. I have not seen Time Bandits. Okay. I know you're big on Time Bandits. Yes. I, I know that's kind of a culty favorite for a lot of a lot of people too. Yep, yep. And I, I think there's a lot of English humor with it. Um. Uh. So. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I I love Monty Python, and I know that that sensibility is in here. This is a Gilliam film. Right. So. Right. So um. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I guess that there's other people that are out there in uh, podcast land that. Um, you know, are fans of Time Bandits? Then, um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm Team t Time Bandit. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see what else we got on this list. Um, I saw Blowout. You know, I was kind of a John Travolta fan. Oh, okay. Which was which was pretty good, but I think it was the kind of thing where it was hyped up a little bit more than, I mean, even at the time, it was hyped up a little bit more than it actually, you know, it didn't really pay off quite as much um but i think they were uh they were making it sound a little like i mean it, it kind of was reminiscent of when you know ted kennedy like went into uh what did he went into like a, the potomac or something or and um the girl that he was with drowned in the car uh or something close to that forgive me for not having the historic details correct because that was before my time but that's kind of the situation that was in this film so i think they were trying to make it like this political intrigue type of thing but 
it just didn't really pan out to be that exciting. It was a little more too too research oriented, I think. So I was hoping it was going to be more exciting than it was. Okay. And yeah, I don't. I remember hearing. I I never even seen it. Oh no. Yeah, I I at the time they were like I said they were making a big deal out of it because it was John Travolta and I think Nancy Allen. I think the both of them had just come off Carrie only a couple of years before, so people thought that was going to be another a big pairing. Uh, but not not quite so great in retrospect. I gotcha. Um, another movie that I'm surprised that, um, you know, that I liked, you know, back in the eighties was actually a, a, a bit of a sleeper. It's, uh, on Golden Pond. Ah, see, I remember seeing clips from that, which looked very dramatic, Yeah. but I did not see it. Yeah. So, uh, for some reason I, I remember seeing it and liking it, you know, for, uh, a young boy, you know, that's kind of surprising, you know, considering, you know, it's definitely not an action film it's definitely not a cartoon um you know yeah kind of a family drama yeah yeah so i mean you know it's uh norman um and um i forgot the uh uh catherine hepburn's character's name um but uh they uh they're on you know they live uh, they either rent this house or they, you know, they own the house on this lake or this pond. And uh, so then, you know, the son of their daughter has to spend like the summer with them. Um, and Norman is basically just a um, a jerk, if you want to call him that, <laughs> you know. And okay. so he kind of has to adjust to having a young boy around, you know, and trying to okay. – be a mentor so he kind of you know he he kind of like evolves throughout the movie where you get to see a little bit softer side of him um so i don't know i thought it was cool but doesn't he deteriorate or something isn't this um uh, a story about him you know getting dementia yeah i or think am I remembering? I, yeah i think that you know he there, there's portions of the um the film where he's you know forgetting things you know, and um, things along those lines. So he, you know, he is kind of uh, deteriorating throughout the movie. And in fact, I even forgot how it ended, to be honest. Um, I just remember, you know, the uh, the the details of, you know, the uh, Doug McKeon was the boy, um, you know, of, you know, their relationship with Norman, um, you know, throughout the you know, progression of the movie. You know, where, like, they're out fishing, and then all of a sudden, you know, they come back to the house, and, you know, the kid's all happy that he caught so many fish, but then Norman has him clean the fish, you know, and all of a sudden it's not, you know, all of a sudden it wasn't all that fun, <laughs> so, because he's sitting there having to gut them all, and all that, and it's just yucky. Yeah, 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 and the reality of it is not quite as right uh, engaging, <laughs> as fun as he thought it would be. Yep. Uh Okay, okay, I see. Um, now that's something that I might watch at some point. Yeah, um, I'd say it's worth it. It's definitely, uh, okay. uh, you know, I liked it. I just wish I remember how it ended. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I think it was a tearjerker, if I remember. Yeah. 
or hearing about it at the Oscars or something. Right. You get one bunch of awards. Um, okay, so I saw The Road Warrior, although I didn't, I don't think I saw it that year, but I saw it like in the 80s at some point. Sure. I went through a big Mel Gibson phase because uh, he was top of the box office and he was looking real good. And like me, <laughs> I was very close to my mom. I mean, I still am. We go to like <laughs> Comic Cons together and stuff. But in any case, we had like a pact that whatever new Mel Gibson movie came out, we would run and go see it together. Um, that's yeah so that was yeah so that was fun for a while that we we did that now this we didn't because i think i didn't like i said i didn't see it till later but um it was kind of fun like mad max became a big deal but it started off as a kind of low budget film i remember yeah the first one and this was the second one and it's the one that got really popular almost like the terminator yeah you know like the first one kind of was kind of a sleeper nobody knew it was going to be hit it was low budget it was a really cool story um, I think like they took that Mad Max story and made it um, into this bigger, more comic book like uh, um, universe. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah, post apocalyptic type of thing. Right. Uh, and it it was uh, it was a good time, and you know it, it was a little exciting, and it was kind of that cut for, cut throat, every man for himself type of atmosphere. Uh, so I liked it. You know, there was a lot of like people in cool costumes and leather and all this kind of stuff. So <laughs> <It's fun. laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, I, yeah, I would see this like later as well. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Um, I'm trying to remember because they're all blending together, all the Mad Max movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to remember if this is the one that had like the, um, like the little kids that thought he was like this pilot. And they were trying to like um, uh, almost worship him, um, mm. but it's, it's you know it's, it's blending together with the other Mad well, Max like, movies. Like a, like a feral child, or no, it was like was a group, a group of them. Like you know, there was something where they had found this old captain, you know, pilot captain's uh, uniform. And they were, you know, almost treating them like godlike. And then when Max shows up, they assume that he's the captain. Mm. So um, I don't. I'm not remembering which is which. I'm remembering like the right. The next one I think was like the big deal one with Tina Turner where they uh, had the battle in the yeah. Thunderdome. Yeah. yeah, and that was a lot more. You know, it just kept getting more and more overblown. <laughs> yeah, Master Blaster. <laughs> yeah. I re- okay. So then maybe I'm right. Maybe this is that one. Uh, why that happens. Um, anyway, I I could be getting it wrong, and there's probably people yelling at their uh, uh, their podcast <laughs> device that they're listening to us and saying, "No, you okay. got it wrong, Dave." It's well, well, we can remind them that we try to do this without like going yeah, to the whole encyclopedia right. of of, right, know, right. of knowledge, let's say, or or cheating on Wikipedia and just going by our memories and, and going off the top of our heads. Right. Uh, which, you know, sometimes you forget detail here and there, but uh, it's nice to kind of like dig that stuff up and remember what our impressions are, even if sometimes they're not, they're different now than they were then, let's say. Yeah. So I'm still with you. <laughs> okay. The, uh, the other thing that uh, came out in this uh, in 1981 was a movie called Scanners. 
I didn't see it, <laughs> but I googled the uh, the 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 iconic scene where the guy's face just starts getting like really large and then ultimately explodes. I googled that too. Yeah. <laughs> Without actually seeing the movie, yeah. Right. Right. So I've seen that the scene, you know, but I haven't seen like the whole movie. Um, yeah. Is that all you really need to see though? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It could be, uh, you know, it on our list here. Where's it at? Is it how far down? Where was it? Let's see. Where one? I know because I've been jumping three, back and forth, scrolling four, back and five, forth, six, up and down. Seven, I don't know where I'm at. Am anymore? It's ten. It's number ten. Uh, for popularity, I've got mine sorted by popularity. So it. Oh, I, mean, I don't. So there's, you know, there's people that are uh, digging that movie. You know, I mean, it's pretty high up on the list if you consider everything that came out in 1981. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's kind of cult, got a culty phone too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, I mean, it gets referenced so many times, like in modern filmography. You know, like it even came up in like Wayne's World. You know. Um, <laughs> so. So yeah. Yeah, I, I think you. But I think what you, you know, what's iconic is that you know that scene. So. You, you get the premise as to what everybody's talking about just watching that, you know, if you YouTube it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, okay. All right. Got any other movies you want to uh, talk about or you want to jump well, just, to something else? Um, I guess we could jump. I just sorted by popularity and it makes a lot more sense to me now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Das Boot still is number two. So. Yeah, I guess, but maybe not number two for people who are our age. I, that's all I can right. think of. Uh, you know, it was a little bit more, you know, adult, sophisticated, global story. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm seeing Body Heat. I think I saw that. That was a kind of uh, that was a cool movie. Very, uh, very steamy. And if I remember, it was a good mystery story. Okay. But but I don't remember so many of the details except that like um, Kathleen Turner like uh, exploded after that. Everybody wanted her in their movie. So sure. Okay. All right, we can move on then. Okay. Um, I just I saw something that I was gonna bring up. Oh, Fox and the Hound. Yeah. Um, I remember that one. I I I almost want to okay. say that it was like they showed it at school, if I remember right. Hmm. Um. So so yeah, I I I, I know I I saw it. You know, and I'm pretty sure I saw it while sitting on. Uh, a, a very hard floor in the, uh, the gymnasium. <laughs> like in the gym. Yep. <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. So let's, what are we going to do? We're going to move over to music. Albums. Albums. Okay. So Pace Magazine said uh, they put out the best albums of 1981. Um Consequently, they made this list in uh, on, in June of 2021. So they had uh, some hmm. the uh, um, so the writer Josh Jackson and Paste Music staff. So so they uh, yeah. So Josh Jackson probably wasn't around in 1981. I'm guessing. Oh, because these that's not these aren't your um, top picks well, for anyone. I don't know. I'm wondering. Uh, well, I can't really say. Okay. <laughs> I just, you know, somebody working in a magazine right now, I'm thinking is probably younger than 
somebody then who whoever would be remembering this firsthand. But you know, I I shouldn't really jump to conclusions. Let's see. There's some stuff on here where I'm like, I never even heard of this. Right. (laughs) But you know, I had my niche that I was in, so so who am I to say? Maybe they're trying to uh be more representative of different styles than you know I really uh was into but there were a couple of surprises where i was like oh that's very cool that they put he put this on here i mean he's got a killing joke album on here that's uh that's kind of neat thing so what number is that 25 it's the first one on the list oh see i was scrolling way past okay no well because it's going backwards so then it's actually the last one on the list you know if we're talking about rankings but uh there's a song on that now i I like Killing Joke. I've actually seen Killing Joke. Um, they they uh, feature prominently in my book. <laughs> okay. And there is a really cool song called Tension with these great banging drums that it, you really want to dance around and jump on the frickin' furniture. It's terrific. Um, but the thing is, I wasn't listening to that in 1981. I, didn't, I hadn't, you know, when you kind of start to get into the new wave universe, you learn about all these songs that came out years before you ever started listening to those bands and they're still cool. You know, they become just sort of timeless. So, (laughs) so tension was one of those songs for me in college, even though it came out years before I ever knew there was a killing joke. So was tension on this album. I believe so. Okay. I believe so. I can double check. Because I was just, but, I mean, I'm, I'm not familiar with Killing Joke, but um, at, to hear you talk about it, you know, they talk about the album's single is driven by Paul Ferguson's machine gun drumming. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, hearing you describe it, I'm like, well, they, they, he, he puts it, you know, perfectly right there, you know, to describe what you're talking about. Yeah, wait, I'll see if I can pull it up on my, uh, on my phone, but it's hard for me to get more than one thing to play at a time <laughs> when I have the headset in, you know, it will only let me listen one, to one thing at a time. Right. Let me see. I'm going to kill Bluetooth. Maybe it'll do it. I'm probably going to get an ad first. No, wait. Oh, there we go. You're getting that. <laughs> then you get some really good bass, right? <laughs> Jump on the couch. <laughs> wow. Well, it kind of goes on like there's a lot of screaming. But this is what we kind of looked at. This is very hardcore. But like I said, I listened to this more in um, like 1983 or 84. Okay. So I was older then. But anyway, it was a very kind of hard. We 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 definitely looked at it as a hardcore song. But I was very happy. To hear that you know somebody is commemorating it on one of these lists. So, okay, let's yes. see if I shut it up now. There we go. <laughs> okay, so I had my punky new wave say. Nice, very nice. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. Looking at the more like you know, probably commercial success uh, type of music, uh, Human League, Dare. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the song that really, you know, I, I, I think of, like, you know, I just actually heard it on the uh, Spotify the other day, uh, Do you, uh, Don't You Want Me. 
Right. Um, See, but I remember that from from 82, but I'm I, I'm sure the album came out in 1981, but I don't think that they really made the big time until a little later. Yeah. But yeah, I um even now, you know, that's if I hear their Human League songs um that, you know, come up uh as I'm listening to, you know, 80s hits on Spotify, um, you know, that's one that I'm you know, really getting into, you know, if I, if, if I'm able to at the moment, turning it up a little bit so, you know, I can really hear the song and get into it. Yeah. One of the great original dance club songs, Don't yeah. You Want Me. Yep. And one of the cool early um, MTV videos too. So love it. <laughs> okay. Um, OMD's on the list. Huh, okay. Well, that's nice, too. Um, I wasn't a huge OMD fan, but they were kind of always playing in the background there. If You Leave was a good song. Yeah. Once I... again, this was like the first year of MTV, so these are all some of the first artists that had videos on that channel. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to – I don't know the uh, – so, you know, the songs that it's listing. You know, I don't – I'm not familiar with some of those songs. I mean, you know – it it says that you know their early work is a far cry from Pretty in Pink's "If You Leave." So I guess oh, right. this so one that's yeah, not on this album. Yeah, this okay. Been on that album. I get it. So I'm, but you know, I mean, they're iconic, you know. So I guess maybe they were, mm -hmm. you know, still, you know, figuring out, you know, what they were going to be before they kind of got like you know very popular with the you know like the John Hughes verse. Yeah, true, true. And they became more pop oriented. In fact, I think, was it, I think, were they even called OMD in America at first? I think there was OMD in England and they there was another OMD or something. They couldn't use that name. I remember there being confusion over what their name actually was. Hmm. It was they were called two different things on the two different continents. Oh, I didn't know that. Let's see, what else we have on the list? Yeah, maybe. Here's an early Cure album. I'm not nearly as familiar with this as I am with their later work. But just to see that these artists were created, this is where they were kind of experimenting and creating cool stuff. Yeah, the album is called uh, Faith. So mm -hmm. um, That's a creepy cover. It, it kind of <laughs> is, yeah. Um, and once again, I don't, I'm not that familiar with kind of the the songs that it's 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 the write up is talking about. There's a song called like the Holy Hour, uh, the Funeral Party. See, see, this is the kind of thing if you if you played me this album, I probably recognize a couple of songs, but I don't know if I could pinpoint the titles right. of the really early songs. But I got to be much more into the Cure. They have a really unique, cool sound uh, that kind of defined that dark goth. We didn't call it goth then, but you know now it's kind of looked at as goth uh, sound. So, so all right. I know you're a uh, a big fan of the Police. So oh my God, that's right. Wait, wait, wait. Talk, the machine is there. Machine. Yeah, tell me about that this one. This is a great album. Oh, my God. See, every little thing she does is magic, I think, came off of this album. And I think that's one of the best songs that ever came out of the 80s. Um, 
and the police were just starting to they were kind of considered an underground band for those first couple albums that they made which were both very similar like the covers were very similar um and they had a lot of poppy tunes on there but um once ghost in the machine came out like everybody knew who they were uh and they were a phenomenon it, it's a it's a really cool album and uh i miss those days <laughs> i miss bands like the police um now they kind of moved off into like what um zinyata mandata was amazing and then you had synchronicity so this was still to me like them ramping up but let me see spirits in the material world was a fantastic or is a fantastic song absolutely um let me see what else i see every little thing she does uh, is right it's got invisible sun amazing song yeah invisible sun was cool and you know there were there was things starting to get into his um, you know, um, social conscience uh, type of songs. Um, where is my set list? I don't see one. Um, <clears throat> ah, this is not the right Ghost in the Machine because I think it was a reference. It's, I think it's an Asimov reference. Um, Ghost in the Machine, right? Uh, Isn't that something regarding the robotics? Okay, Demolition Man. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Um, yeah, these were for kind of frenetic songs, if I'm, I'm remembering now. Because to me, like, they all kind of, it's all like one big work in my head. <laughs> but I did own this album. Um, yeah, it's a little, it's got some, if I'm remembering, there's some like kind of futuristic feeling stuff. Um, Demolition Man, Rehumanize Yourself, Omega Man, those all, it all felt like it kind of had this high tech undertone which goes with the theme of the of the uh the album itself and one more tip and this is something that me and scott had talked about you see the photo the while well, the the graphic is actually supposed to be re- representing to the guy's faces okay like that's okay that's sticking in the middle with the spiky right bangs there and i think Stuart on the right and andy on the left hmm okay which is kind of cool. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody out there, look up the look up the picture. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. You don't have to spend the whole time talking about the police. I could go on forever, so I'll shut up. <laughs> no, that, no, that's fine. I mean, I, I the what the the two songs, everything she does, and um, spirits in the material world were definitely the uh, uh, the ones that were you know that got the radio airplay. Um, videos, whatnot, and so yeah, I um, those are the ones I know the you know uh, m- you know more than the others. So I don't know if I would be able to pick out these, but it's given me a good idea of maybe I'm you know as I'm working tomorrow, I might have that on in the background. Yeah, the whole album. There you go. Thank God for Spotify. You can do stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I just have it all downloaded on my phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you, when you're paying, you know, for the, the the family plan, you know, you you get to take advantage of that. And I was explaining that to my uh, my daughter. I'm like, you know, you're growing up, you know, a very, you know, uh, interesting time period with technology, you know, because, you know, when we wanted to listen to music, you know, we 
we'd pull the cassette out or, you know, in the 90s yes. we had the CDs or we had the records, you know, and it was all very just, you know, you you kind of listened to, you know, that format and listened through it, you know, for the whole album. Um, and then, you know, that's how you kind of, you know, really consume things. Whereas at that specific time, you know, I was able to just on a whim tell my Google device to play whatever song I was thinking of, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like such yeah, a big We have difference. to work for it. Yeah. yeah, we have to hunt music down and find it. Right. But it made it it made it more of an, ex, an experience, you know, it made it more personal, I think. Right, right. Yeah, and, and like we were talking about a little bit earlier, you know, is the journey, you know, and yeah, you know, and and that's you know the the experience of making a mixtape by listening to the radio and hoping the DJ doesn't talk over the song the whole song. <laughs> Yeah, the poor DJs in the seventies and eighties are probably all saying, "Damn, they were all just cursing us the whole yeah. time, yep. sitting by the radio with their with their tape sets, <laughs> saying, shut up.'" Yep. And you know, I mean, even you know, I was, uh, you know, even had the um, the uh, the recorder, the the tape recorder that was right next to MTV. So like when you know one of the songs were you know one of their top ten songs or whatever I was waiting for, you know I would hit the uh, the the play record button at the same time I think it was, and you know record that you know right wow. right from the TV. So, but you know wow, I, I was you know telling my sister you know shush 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 shush. <laughs> I want to hear your voice Everybody in the background. Everybody in the house had to be silent, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, let's see, what? Go-Go's. The Go-Go's released uh, Beauty and the a, Beat. Yeah, that was a big album. That was a big album. Yep, that's one I have. I've, I've listened to the whole album. And, yeah, I we got the beat. Our lips are sealed. Love those songs. Yeah, that was... Uh, that, those were good dance songs, too. And uh, the Go-Go's kind of brought in this whole like California uh, new wave fun pop stuff um, and became very, it, it was very defining. I think of that, of that era. Uh, once again, I think it might've been most, a lot of these hits started uh, really circulating more when you got, uh, I guess toward the end of the year or to, to 1982. Cause I'm still remembering, remembering that more from college than from high school. Uh, but you know, it might have it might have started, you know, because you change the school year changes over in the middle, so it kind of, you know, chops things up in ways that don't always match the calendar uh, in these kind of lists. So, but yeah, that was, and it was a very girl power thing that there was just all women in this band. I don't even see that now. Not like you'll have, I mean, I'm sure there's a few out there, but they're not as prominent and all over the place like like the Go Go's and the Bangles were. Right. It was a big deal. To have those girl power bands, even like the Runaways in the '70s, although that was was a little bit more of a novelty, you know, they were kind of thrown together because they were girls, but they still made some good music. Yeah, oh, I agree. I, and I appreciate the Runaways now, you know, being older and like listening yeah, me too. to them. So um, there, there's you know just a edgy rawness about the Runaways that um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that's not on this poppy, you know, uh, uh, you know, like a poppy group like the Go Go's. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. They felt a lot less like in control. <laughs> right. Whereas uh, the Go-Go's were a really good time, but it did feel a lot more polished and, you know, like there's somebody out there manipulating everything and making it nice and pretty. Right. Although they were, you know, I hear that those girls had a lot of drug issues. Oh, really? So maybe not all of them, but I think Belinda, Belinda Carlisle had, you know, went through a lot of, she put out a memoir where like they were just, you know, coking it up all over the place. I guess, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. You know, yeah, I, well. I, I think you're, um, you know, if you're in that industry, I think it, it, it probably, you know, is very easy to kind of go down that slippery slope. Yeah. And young people with a lot of money. Yeah. It's just, that's what happens. Yep. Now I'm also seeing a U2 album here, although this is not my favorite. Um, War, I think, was the big deal album for me with with U2, which kind of changed my life. But even so, once again, they were emerging. And look how young they look. Oh, yeah. <laughs> look how young. They look like little boys. God. Uh, the album is titled October, for those uh, curious. Yeah, sorry, October. Yep. Which um, <laughs> was between boy and war. <laughs> yeah, I um. I don't know. I wasn't really a fan of U2. So, I mean, mm. I can listen to them, but I, I, I mean, it's not like I'm diehard where I'm like, I have to hear their songs. I if, was a big fan at the time. Yeah. If, if they happen to come on, I don't turn them off. Let's put it that way. Yeah, they were, they were very enduring. They went on into the 90s and, you know, maybe the early 2000s. I don't know. But after a while... It all sounded the same to me. It wasn't like this groundbreaking thing right. that happened back in the early 80s. Uh, so they didn't have the same meaning for me after a while. Uh, even though the songs were similar, but it was like, okay, we heard it already. Uh, but at this time, they just were like revolutionary. And his Bonner's voice is just so amazing. Um, and I think they, they kind of, they charted a lot of uh, new grounds. I, I think a lot of people in the coming years tried to sound like them. You know, like The Alarm, maybe a few other bands were just, you know, I think they looked at you too and said, I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the way a lot of bands went uh, going forward. So, but they were first. They were first in a lot of ways. So, I, I think, love them. I think one of the most iconic, like, uh, album covers is uh, in here. It's Rolling Stones, Tattoo You. That's true. That was yeah. on, I remember that being a big album. And yeah, we've got Rush here too. So like for the more um uh more classic rockers, those were two really big albums. Right. Rush Moving Pictures yep. and the Rolling Stones Tattoo You. And that is a really cool cover. That Tattoo You cover. Yeah. And uh on that album it looks like what did I oh um start me up. Start Me Up was yeah. good. Is she so cold on this one? I love that song. Uh, tunes like Neighbors and Hang Fire. Um, Hang Fire, okay. Start oh, no. Up. She's So Cold was on a different album. Oh, well. Okay. Uh, yeah. That was... Start Me Up was, was neat. Yeah, Rush, I... Um, it was something that I I didn't really appreciate Rush until after I got so into the book Ready Player One. 
uh, and there's this big section of it, you know, for one of the um, uh, uh, getting one of the uh, the clues, you know, is in this um, in the virtual reality world of the Odyssey, um, you know, which is you know this, the main focal point, you know, for the um, the book. Um, the uh, the main character is you know having to dive into the 80s to you know solve clues you know by the person that created um, the um, you know this virtual reality world um, and then you know if he's able to get to the 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 egg at the end then he's able to um, you know win all kinds of money and you know uh, essentially control you know this virtual reality world but one whole section of it was built around rush 2112 hmm. um so after you know knowing that i wasn't really into rush i actually made it a point that i was going to listen to that album um and i was like okay i get it now yeah they're kind of amazing yeah kinda, you know you know how i know rush my brother is a bass player okay <laughs> I have the bass line to Tom Sawyer burned into my brain forever. <laughs> yeah. Because this was around the time that he was playing guitar in his bedroom. And I just played Rush songs over and over and over again. And not just the album, the just the guitar part, just the bass part. Um, but I'll tell you what, looking at this track listing, this is an amazing album. And my favorite Rush song is Red Barchetta. Um and if you're gonna listen to any song, you're gonna listen. You gotta listen to that one. But that's beautiful. Okay. That's beautiful. These are these are really cool songs. This is an amazing band. Um, and even though I was not really a, a real classic rocker, I appreciate every one of these songs on here. I might have to. Uh, maybe, maybe that's going to be uh, Wednesday's like playlist. Maybe I'll uh, bring up uh, Moving Pictures for Rush while I'm working. There you go. Um, we'll see. We'll see what the, side one it looks like. Side one. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're on Spotify, you just hit the album. So. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah. There's no sides anymore. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna have to get Ghost of the Machine, uh, and now, uh, Rush. Moving pictures. Um, okay. Are there any other albums you wanted to discuss? Hmm. Anything I missed on here? Well, I mean, we jumped all around, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, Prince is always good, although this was not his big album. You know, there's some other craft work was kind of neat, but I would take them song by song. Um, I think we can move on. <laughs> I just I just read this part of the uh, the write up here. Uh, it says. Uh, do me baby a slow jam with an orgasmic scream so good it sounds like prince is trying to impregnate you with just his <laughs> vocals yeah he does that stuff <laughs> he does he does but i've never heard it put in such that way um so yeah that's that's an amazing way to describe you know the orgasmic <laughs> screams that prince does yeah i miss him being around i think it's really sad that he had to die. Yeah. What a terrible thing. He was wild. All right. He was wild. 
<laughs> so let's move over to TV. TV, jeez. This is just, just a lot to talk about. See, like, I look at these lists. Sometimes, like, to me, the lists, like, don't really reflect what I remember. I don't know. Although, maybe I just didn't. When I'm, a, a lot of the 80s, I was in college. We didn't really watch TV. We didn't even have a TV in the first couple of years. Okay. So, so maybe. Um, and let's see. 81, I don't know. I must have been busy. I didn't watch Dallas. Did you watch Dallas? I didn't. Dallas is listed here as the number one show. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> Yeah, I um I never got into Dallas, you know, I um you know, I remember all the hype around who shot JR. I don't even know if that was, you know, in 1981 or not, but um yeah. It was nothing, yeah, it was a show that I wasn't into at all. Yeah, I don't think my parents watched it either. I'm trying I'm trying to remember what what they watched, but at at, at that time, I don't remember. Cuz you know, that's when I I was not sitting in the living room watching TV with them anymore at that point. Yeah. Um, I watched some of this. I probably was still watching Three's Company. I thought that was kind of a blast. That was a fun show. Um, I watched One Day at a Time. I said, I don't know if I watched it that year. It might have been like years before, the years before, like the first couple of years it was on. Yeah. Um, the Jeffersons I watched, and that's the number three show. Yeah. I remember the Jeffersons. Yeah. 60 Minutes is listed as a number two show. I did not watch that at all. <laughs> I think that show was the bane of kids' existence. As soon as right? you heard that stopwatch, that t- 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 run, t- 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 boring. <laughs> Why do they have that on? All right, what are we gonna do for the next sixty minutes? Long. Get 60 out of minutes. here! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, oh my God, who was the guy at the end? Uh, he always had like his little editorial and a spin on. Oh yeah, I see him in my head. Uh, what was his name? Come on. I, Andy. It's Andy, Andy something. Andy Rooney. Andy Rooney sounds right to me. Andy Rooney. Yes, it was Andy Rooney. How come people like to watch Dallas? <laughs> <laughs> I remember him. Um, but I think it was. It may have been a, uh, a. I was a late bloomer of like appreciating him. I don't think it was something that you know back then when I was, you know, ten years old that I would have given any attention to Andy Rooney, but now it's like, yeah, all right, I get him. So well, I know he's gone. So yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Um, my mom watched Alice, so I have seen quite a bit of Alice. Oh yeah. I used to watch Alice. Yeah. Well, once again, I think, I don't know if I was watching much TV this year. I'd watched these shows in earlier years when they were first on. Yeah. They had, uh, uh, flow kiss my grits kiss my grits yeah she was pretty funny <laughs> uh, they were all pretty funny on that show and my mom liked mash so i got to see plenty of mash and that's something actually nowadays that i will i like to watch the uh the earlier like you know the first one or two seasons because i i kind of like the trapper john years more than the honeycut years Mm-hmm. yeah i could see that i did watch mash yeah uh, I'm not like religiously. It wasn't like, oh, let me get home and watch, you know, watch television tonight. You know, so it wasn't that kind of a devoted watch, right. I think. But I watched MASH and I'm surprised, like, you know, they'll run it now on the, you know, they'll always have like a nostalgia channel out here. It's like me TV. Right. They'll run it now and I'll watch it. And I'm surprised at how well I remember it. Because <laughs> I think it ran in syndication even, like I'd watch it after school. Right. 
you know, like the reruns were on simultaneous to the the contemporary um, seasons. So I think I watched it a lot in reruns. Oh, yeah. I think and, everybody did. Um, so. Yeah. It was a good show, and it, it, it could be funny, but sometimes it just, like, tore your heart out. You know, sometimes it was really a bummer. Right. For, you know, a young kid. Yeah. Well, I wasn't that young, but, you know, for even for a teenager. Yeah. Um, it could be very just dead serious moments of, oh, God. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, it was a war. So, I mean, it, yeah. you can, you know, pepper in some jokes and a laugh track and, you know, it, it, you know, it'll hit, you know, the right notes. But, I mean, it's in the middle of a war, you know, and you're going to get, you know, I mean, their they're jobs as surgeons, you know, are patching people up. So it's hard to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, that being the stage for the show, not to acknowledge, you know, that you know, the sadness that was going along with that. It's true. And I think as a young person um, in the 80s, it was like Cold War time. Like there was Vietnam and then that ended. And then, uh, you know, maybe people went off to Grenada like a couple of years later. That was a little slice of period where there, there really wasn't any huge conflict that you were seeing every day. Right. So to watch MASH, and be hit in the face with that, you know, kind of the reality of that throughout the show was a little jarring. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe something that hit me in a way that, I don't know, took took me out of the comedy of it and made me kind of stop like, oh, yeah, it's, this is not fun and games. So that was an interesting perspective. Yeah, see, Deuce of Hazard was the one, one of the shows that I watched you know, willingly at that young age. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, you had fast cars, you had Catherine Bach and her short shorts, um, mm-hmm. you know, the guys with bows and arrows that would blow shit up, you know, I mean, what, it checked all the boxes, it checked all the boxes uh-huh. and you're like, okay, you know, Bo and Luke Duke were the, you know, were just the shit, you know? And so, you know, say what you want to about them having, you know, the, the generally, you know, rebel flag on top of their car. Um, you know, at the time that wasn't, you know, at all the message that was going on with that show, you know, it was, that was a different context. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I didn't watch that show. It was a little, uh, it was a little butch for me, I think. (laughs) Sure. Sure. But I didn't watch that much. So can't feel too bad about it. There's... Sorry, Duke Brothers. <laughs> I think it's fine. You know, we have different tastes, so that that that's what works here. Um, one that showed up like a little later in the list, like number twenty-one, is Real People. Do you remember this at all? Um, I I remember it, but I didn't watch it. I don't like remember the details of it. Was it kind of like a candid camera type of thing? Not really. Um, I mean. More like a, a very early version of like a reality type of TV show, but what they would do is rather than have celebrities on, they would have um, segments, you know, of you know people that, you know, normal everyday people that are doing, you know, sometimes extraordinary things, sometimes maybe not so extraordinary. Um, they would you know have them on the show. They would do like a little interview, and then they would have like uh, scenes. From you know whatever it is that they you know you know that they're 
doing in their lives that they're focusing on. Um, okay. The, I guess I didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, and I remember watching it and liking it, and my memory bank has this one, like, see, this one uh, segment uh, kind of cemented in my head. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Let me see if I can actually click on the link. Uh, Real people. Uh, let's see. So it starred. Okay, Skip Stevenson. Um, was one of the people that was on there besides uh, Byron Allen, um, Mark Russell, Peter Billingsley. So all these people, Fred Willard, were like on that show as well. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, one of the sequences, and it's probably sounds boring, but like li- when I watched it like back in the eighties, it was kind of funny. But it was like somebody was giving them lessons of how to act more manly. So it's the <laughs> 80s, you know, you can get away with that, right? Okay. <laughs> um, and one of the sequences was, well, you know, when you're holding a coffee cup, don't hold it by the handle. You actually grip it like, you know, by the, the cup itself. And, you know, they, okay. you know, and they use, you know, some humor you know, in the way they present their stories. And, you know, um, it was uh, Skip who basically was like, so what happens if, like, the coffee is, like, burning hot, you know, and the mug is, like, really hot? That's, why, like, he's that's like, why you have a handle. <laughs> he's like, I'm okay. It's just good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and for some I'll reason, I remember that. Burn my palms so I look manly. Yeah. <laughs> So I just I always thought that that was I don't know why that why that stuck in my head but you know there's you know like they would do segments of you know somebody who's like you know so strong that they could pull a truck you know and stuff like that so I mean shows nowadays okay. go way over the top of things like that but um, <laughs> you know that was kind of the start of shows like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I see that's incredible here also, which if I remember was kind of similar. Yeah. Than to what you're describing. I think I watched that one a few times. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, you you've got, you know, on this list, you've got a lot of the 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 staples for the '80s, like um, uh, Love Boat, Falcon Crest, Heart to Heart. Uh, <laughs> I remember them all. Yeah, Magnum PI. Um. It's, I actually met the producer from the Love Boat because I worked at Columbia Pictures and my boss was living with him. Okay. All right. <laughs> I had drinks at his house in Venice Beach. It was nice. <laughs> Did he sing the song for you? No, he was not the singer. He was yeah. just the producer. I know. but It was Henry Coleman. But, um, yeah, he didn't sing the song, you know. When I tried not to fawn. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> But once again, I, I don't know that this was the heyday of the love boat. It was probably like the waning years of the love boat. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're they're further down on the list there. So, yeah. It was yeah. 77 to 86 is when it was on. So, yeah, this would have and been. So maybe some middle years of the love boat. <laughs> middle years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, um, the daughter by then is now working on the boat, you know. Um, yeah, Vicky. Yep. <laughs> it's like one of those jump the shark moments, you know, when they add the young, new young cast member. 
Well, I mean, she was always just kind of around, you know, uh, on the on the show when she was younger, but just as the captain's kid. So, mm-hmm. um, but then, you know, as she got older, then they gave her a job. So there you go. Yep. Um, Hill Street Blues, Fantasy Islands, all the way at the bottom. Fantasy Island, yeah, I guess that must have been falling out of favor by that time. Yeah, that was like a big hit show. I remember in the seventies, well, late seventies, I guess. Yeah, it, it lasted to eighty four, so it was getting towards the end there. Mm. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. But yeah, those were fun shows. But like, they were they were more fun for me when I was more in like thirteen year old range than. Um, you know, they be you, you kind of they kind of got played out and corny, you know, because we I got a little too wise for that, <laughs> you know, and which is why I wasn't probably wasn't watching quite as much TV, but I was probably shut up in my you know my bedroom with the mylar wallpaper listening to uh, to the police. <laughs> All right, I I'm Billy Joel. I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to admit something here, and I can't believe I'm going to do it on the podcast, but... Um, Drum roll. Yeah. I, w- tell you what, everybody don't listen to this. Uh, just skip forward <laughs> 30 seconds or something like that, but uh, this is me admitting that I actually loved Little House on the Prairie. Oh. <laughs> I, I didn't watch Little House on the Prairie either. <laughs> I feel bad. It's like, where was I in the 80s? Not watching television. Yeah. I don't I saw a couple of them. I didn't watch too many, <laughs> but you know, well, you and Amy from uh, <laughs> from Big Bang. Yeah, yeah, I. I it's her favorite show. Yeah, I I don't know I don't know what it was. I, I I don't, and even now it's like I think all seasons are on um, like Amazon Prime, and I even watched maybe most of the first season, um, maybe Aww. maybe like a year ago. Um, so yeah, I don't, don't ask me, I don't know why I connect with it. It's just, you know, the simple life, you know, and I, I think that maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that the simple life of living like, you know, in a town like Walnut Grove, you know, and you didn't have, you know, the technology that we have now and it just, how people <laughs> did things like that in general. <laughs> You know, you, you know, you, you didn't go in and, you know, just buy a house. You had to build a house. Um, you know, so it was just True. interesting to, to kind of watch that. You know, it, it's a period piece. So to me, I think that's what I appreciate more is the, you know, the historic, you know, what's going on in the background as far as, you know, what it takes to, to live out there, you know, with, you know, very meager, you know, type situation, going to have to go out and, you know, clean their clothes on a rock, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, there was even one, one episode where um, the the lead actor, Charles, um, he, um, like, they had to, they, they were working on a, um, a railroad, you know, because he just had to find a job to work, and, one guy's job was sit there to hold the uh, the stake while the other one, you know, just swung this big hammer, you know, at it. 
Oh, God. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, my God. Could you imagine that being, you know, your job where you would trade off that your, that responsibility, you know, between holding it and, you know, driving the nail, you know, with a, or not the nail, the spike. Yikes. But it was like, yeah, yeah that's what they would have had now. to do, you know, because they didn't have any other way to make that kind of thing. But yeah. But if I if I had to pick one on this list that I, pr- I probably like the most or watch the most, maybe one day at a time. Okay. Which which at the time it was like oh this this breakthrough you know thing that that really depicts what it's like to be a single mother and you know divorcee and um, recently I started watching it again because it came I think it came on Hulu maybe um, only like the first two seasons. Um, number one I was really surprised how much I remembered about. The episodes i must have really been paying attention um even though like the the first two seasons were probably before 1981 but um yeah and watching it now it's like once again kind of it's the same uh, um it's norman lear again like like all in the family and i'm remembering that same thing and watching it now it's like oh my god this is too real do i really need to sit in on them arguing and and just <laughs> all this tension between her and her daughters and that it was it's just a little it's a little too real at this point you know like i, don't, I have my own problems my own kids to do with. <laughs> but you know when i was in high school i think and i and i maybe when i identified more with the daughters and i think valerie bertinelli was a little older than i was um it was it was a lot it was interesting it, it kept my attention um and it was uh it was a very honest show where a lot of the other stuff was very schmaltzy (laughs) and, you know, going for the punchline, but I'm bummed. Like three's company was kind of like that. It was fun. I had a lot of fun watching that, but one day at a time was a a whole different experience. So, um, so I guess kudos to them at the time, but now, now it's like, geez, I'm getting a headache. Give me some aspirin. I can. (laughs) And there was this whole business about, Oh, Julie was 16. That's the, the older daughter. Um, if anybody Phillips. hasn't seen one day at a time, yeah, Mackenzie Phillips was the older daughter, and she was like the troublemaker daughter. Right. And she runs off with her boyfriend at sixteen and runs away. Like, think about that. Like, who runs away? What teenagers run away now? It's like, but who will take you to karate and soccer and you know, like people are so like into being like on the 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 away team and then the in the ballet troop and shit like teenagers don't run away so it, it's kind of weird i mean I, I don't mean to minimize i'm sure that there's some kids who you know who have troubled families and leave but right. like it was so much more a thing like you got to be 16 you have to worry that your teenager was going to run off somewhere so it's just a weird way to look back on you know like hitchhiking and like things that they did kids did in the 70s that kids just don't do now right you know right you just don't do so or even yeah geez yeah it was it was a little scary you know it was like the wild west when we were teenagers yeah i remember uh crushing a little bit on valerie bertinelli um so i no i might have had a girl crush on on valerie bertinelli i'll be honest yeah uh, but the one thing that always pops out in my brain every time somebody brings up this show is Schneider busting in the door all the time. It was very funny. Now, him I appreciated more in the reruns, his, his humor. Okay. 
I think at the time I just thought he was a little creepy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, all right, who, who trusts this guy with the keys, the master keys to everybody's apartment? Mm-hmm. Um, but I get it. You know, he's that's comedy relief for you. So. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Any other TV shows that you want to throw out there, or we can? Uh, I think we covered. I think we covered a bunch. Okay. So then let's uh. We, we won't dive too hard into headlines, but because it's now almost an hour and a half. Yeah, wow. Okay. Um, well, we've been talking away. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, just uh, a few things that um, I, you know, that showed up on the significant events uh, was um, uh, the uh, DeLorean uh, was first produced <laughs> in 1981. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. IBM. Uh, in the U.S. launches its first PC, which uses Microsoft software, Microsoft DOS, or MS-DOS. Yes, uh, monumental. Yep. <laughs> uh, Iran released the 52 American hostages who had been held for 444 days. I remember that pretty, pretty prominently. Yeah. That was a big deal news story at school. You know, current events thing that we all had to focus on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember hearing a lot about that um in april nasa launched the first space shuttle mission Uh, yeah i paid i did not pay quite as much attention to this to the space to the nasa uh, schedule then but (laughs) but i did stay up and watch (laughs) diana spencer married prince charles yes this was a big deal for me that year i was about to say that was a big deal for a lot of people and yeah, I, I, I think I remember thinking to myself, okay, when is this over? Can can we stop <laughs> talking about this and move on? I was kind of into it. Okay, and you know, you know, I mean, the whole thing. Well, I went, I went a couple of years later, and I, I spent a semester in in England, and uh, Princess Diana was still a big deal then. So I've always been kind of a little ang- Anglophile. Okay. So, so that was cool. Ronald Reagan becomes the uh, U.S. president in 81. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Well, when, was the, when was the assassination attempt? Oh, yeah. I rem- yeah. Is that 81? Yeah, that was 81 also. Oh, was it? Because, yeah, because I remember I was actually at like a debate tournament or something. You know, like I said, I started getting into all the geeky stuff, geeky stuff stuff and then was being recruited for different things by the teachers and i remember hearing about that when i was out at you know doing this whole forensics event um and that was in 11th grade so you figure they would have listed that on the this i know where is it yeah i don't see it but i totally remember that happening yeah um where, where else did i see um muhammad ali retired uh Record of 55 wins and five defeats. Mm, wow. Sandra Day O'Connor, I do remember, well, once again, I went to college in 1982, but I remember one of my roommates had this big picture of uh, Sandra Day O'Connor pinned on her corkboard. Really? Because this was the first woman, in, you know, on the uh, Supreme Court. Right. And she was a poli-sci major. At the time, she wanted to be a lawyer. She did not become a lawyer, but she does a lot of stuff in court anyway. <laughs> She she's um owns various uh, her comp her 
her and her husband don't own various apartment buildings, and so she's in court all the time with tenants and, and such. So she she sort of is a lawyer anyway, unofficially. But in any case, I remember that being a big deal, and uh, you know she was quite the role model. Say, yay, let's let's move forward, girls. <laughs> In college. <laughs> yeah, I was just uh, googling uh, to see the image of Sandra. So, okay. All right. So let's see what else happened that year. Uh, da, 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 da. There was an air traffic controller strike. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. Because they all got fired. Is the thing they weren't supposed to strike. And Ronald Reagan kicked them all out of their jobs. Wow. Right? Remember, yeah. remember yep. right? Yep, yep. It says U.S. It was, President it was a big deal. Ronald Reagan fires them. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled that states could require parental notification when teenage girls seek abortion. Hmm. Hmm. I guess I remember that. Um. Yeah, but that I, I feel like those laws changed so much that it's kind of blurring to me what year happened, what happened, what year. Yeah. You know, I, I do remember that, but I remember just it being an ongoing, you know, moving line. <clears throat> All right. Well, for those of you that are fans of uh, airlines, frequent flyer miles, 1981 was when it was introduced, American Airlines. What do you know? Yeah. Somebody oh, had to wait, be first. The test tube, the, the test tube baby. Wait, that was a big deal, I remember. The first test tube baby. All right. I did see that. but you see that one? Yeah, I saw it, but I just kind of scrolled right past it. I guess I didn't pay attention to it when it happened. Um, well, here's a question then. Who was the... American test, the first American test tube baby, and is that person, you know, uh, still with us? Yeah, I I read an article by her recently. Um, I forgot what her name was, but she wrote she wrote an article. You know, like now it's just you know she's just Jane whoever, but L Louise yeah, okay. Brown, baby Louise. I do remember that baby Louise. But you know what? That wasn't the first in, that, in the U.S. I think she was in England. Okay. I think the very first test tube baby was in England. Oh, this is an English woman. Okay. Right. Uh, the first one in the first U.S. Elizabeth Jordan Carr. Yeah, who, she's now a journalist, and she, she wrote an article recently, not too long ago, um, talking about this is it. This is the, the anniversary. <laughs> I'm still here. Turns, she turned 40. Okay. Yeah. Talking, yeah, it's in the New York Post. Yeah, I see that. On December, December 27th. Yep. Uh, well, good so for that's her. Kind of neat. That's, that's a really cool legacy, huh? Yeah. Wow. All right. So it was kind of a, a big deal, I think, in my school. Like, as I said, there were, you know, you had um, – I had a really cool social studies teacher. He died recently. It's very sad. I had a very cool social studies teacher, and, you know, they like to keep you up on current events. So we would have debates on everything that was going on in class. And I remember the um, the hostages were a big deal. 
the test tube baby, um, you know, with the the Reagan assassination, the uh, you know the election, the whole thing, you know, we <clears throat> we kind of uh, we had our own little court of public opinion going on in the classroom. So she's born in Norfolk, Virginia. Hmm. Yeah. I was uh, I was born in Portsmouth, Virginia, which is uh, right off the Navy right. base. Because uh, my dad was in the Navy, so. Oh, there you go. Yep, and uh, I think at the time we lived in base housing, um, and uh, so yeah, so I was born not far from where she was born. Oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah, but uh, I, whereas she's only forty, I am older than that. So, <laughs> but I guess you know anybody is doing the math, it's easy to figure out. You know if I have said it multiple times already that I was born in 1970. So it's simple math. I will be uh, 52 at the end of this year. Hmm. Anything else on this list jumping out on you? No, nope. Definitely plenty of, uh, you know, stuff that would be iconic, but you know, for the sake of time is really, I think we hit the highlights. Yeah. I think I remember some of the headlines, but I was not quite as interested in some as I was in others. Yeah. All right. So this is a portion of the program where we're going to uh, remind everybody that we have a website out there. It's uh, bonsairetroclub.com. If you want to get a hold of us, you can go ahead and shoot an email at mcfly or mcfly at bonsairetroclub.com. That actually goes to the whole team, so which is basically Suzanne and I at this point. (laughs) Um, and, uh, so, you know, if you want to, you know, do something like that, send us a, uh, uh, you know, an email, which is probably a little bit dated at this point, you know, you can do that. (laughs) Um, you know, we also have Twitter accounts, we have, uh, Facebook accounts, all that, you know, under the banner of Bonsai Retro Club. Um, but Suzanne, you've also got your own page, which is, uh, SuzanneMataboni.com. Mm-hmm. Um, check it out. Yeah, check it out. Um, <laughs> I know you're probably going to be talking about the uh, the release of your book, which is going to be coming up, right? Yes, uh, called Once in a Lifetime, set in the 1980s. Lots of fun. So you can see, you know, there's a tab on the website. You can check it out. But you know, uh, blatant plug. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna keep doing it. We're gonna keep. We're gonna be doing yeah. blatant plugs. Yes. We're, we're gonna we're gonna keep putting those in there because it's cool. And I'm I'm looking forward to you know reading the story and uh, you know at, even though you did mention it's more of a, a like a, a chick type of story, um, you know I admitted that I was a fan of Little House on the Prairie, so yeah, okay, I, 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 maybe maybe I can uh, you know kind of relate. Yeah, it's a chick thing, but it's an '80s thing too, yeah. so it's a little more universal in that respect. Yeah, it might be. Uh, one of the few books that I actually do read <laughs> because I did. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, because I mean, yeah, to be honest, you know, I mean, I was at the library with my youngest cause she needed a book that she was going to read for school. Um, and so we're like, well, why, why pay for it when we can just, you know, check it out. And mm-hmm. I've always been a John Grisham fan and I had checked out John, the, uh, the latest John Grisham book cause I'd never read the story. And, um, 
it sat there for the whole month. <laughs> so I just returned it today. And I was like, all right, well, maybe, you know, maybe maybe it's like one of those things where I just don't give time to reading. And, you know, so, you know, your book, I will. That's terrific. All right. <laughs> I will feel very, very uh, um, honored <laughs> in that case. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, I, I tend to get into audiobooks. Um but yeah. Okay. That, that, I think there's supposed to be one. I gotta kind of look that up. <laughs> okay. I think we're going forward with one of those. So. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, as we say at the end of these things, we just want to remind everybody to be excellent to each other, and have a uh, good whatever, not knowing when you're going to listen to this thing. So, uh, bye bye. Bye bye. This has been a Bonsai Retro Club production. Bonsai, Daniel Sand! Hey, Bonsai! Bonsai!